Welcome to the Healthcare Quality Cast, where we spotlight today's most exciting and inspiring quality professionals within the healthcare industry. Our podcast will dive into the career journeys of leaders that work daily to improve quality, safety, and service outcomes for patients, their family members, and their communities at large. Our mission is to provide motivation and direction to our listeners, encouraging you all to continue your efforts in improving the overall quality of healthcare. And now, your host, Jarvis Gray. Welcome back, quality people, to episode number 39 of the Healthcare Quality Cast, powered by the Quality Coaching Company. And I'd love to start today's show with a quick recall from a few shows back. Back in episode number 37, I shared a quick message from a listener, Mr. Josh Hurong. In short, Josh shared through email a few great points around attracting and retaining talented quality people. The first quick thought was that healthcare companies can do more to simply market to new grad healthcare and engineering professionals that there is a spot for them in healthcare improvement space. For Josh, myself, and even many of the guests of this show, we've all somehow landed in quality where there is an obvious need, but at no time was there ever a blazing billboard sign saying, bring your problem-solving talents and passions here. Josh shares an additional observation that there are no formal career development programs for QI professionals. This is an observation that I also share because it can lead to us either being pigeonholed in our career paths, jumping into roles that moves us away from the improvement work altogether, or leaving the healthcare industry in pursuit of roles that will allow us to develop our talents and income earning abilities further. So quality people, please do plug in through our LinkedIn group and share your thoughts around observations and ideas to better recruit and retain healthcare quality and process improvement professionals. And to up the ante, share feedback if you'd be interested in turning the discussion into an official podcast episode. I can format it as an open call-in and we can make it a very engaging discussion to share with all. Now for today's show, I am honored to introduce a healthcare quality person who is one hell of an engineer. And hopefully that hint highlights the fact that my guest, Mary Ellen Skeens, is a Georgia Tech graduate. Mary Ellen serves as the Director of Solutions Design and Delivery at Philips and comes to us with over 20 years of experience in healthcare information technology implementation, consulting, and process improvement. As I mentioned, Mary Ellen was trained as an industrial engineer at the Georgia Institute of Technology and holds a master's degree in health systems. Throughout her career path, Mary Ellen has continued her professional development by earning her Six Sigma Black Belt through the American Society of Quality, her Lean Foundations Professional Certificate, her PMP credentials, as well as becoming a certified professional in healthcare information and management systems through HIMSS. Here in episode number 39, we are fortunate to catch Mary Ellen fresh off of a return work trip from Germany, but jet lag aside, she opens up our show with a timeless quote from Maya Angelou, then walks us through her career path as she transitions from the automotive industry and into healthcare with the goal of leading a more purpose-driven career. Mary Ellen offers a pretty unique perspective on the differences in healthcare cultures, giving her an exceptional background in supporting multinational improvement projects. Mary Ellen walks us through one of her career lessons learned that connects to utilizing data for improvement projects while ensuring the highest level of data integrity. She highlights the power of building strong project teams using effective communication plans. 
She shares a pretty cool aha moment that led to a major journal publication. And to connect the dots back to the opener around Josh's email, Mary Ellen also shares great thoughts on how the healthcare industry can better attract and retain talent that absolutely aligns with Josh's feedback as well. Mary Ellen, I am so grateful to have you on this show, especially given your recent travels. I look forward personally to staying connected with you through our work with SHS and beyond. Quality people, I hope that you enjoyed today's show with Mary Ellen, and please connect with us through our LinkedIn group to lean in with this topic for recruiting and retaining healthcare leaders in the quality and PI roles. To find us on LinkedIn, simply run a search for the Healthcare Quality Cast. Have a productive week, everyone, and we'll be back next week with another quality guest. Thank you for joining in on another episode of the Healthcare Quality Cast, and today I am here with Mary Ellen Skeens. Mary Ellen, are you ready to share with some quality people? Yes, I am. All right, wonderful. Well, we love to start every show with positive affirmations to really get our momentum going. So, Mary Ellen, I would love if you could please share a favorite uh, leadership quote or mindset, but also tell us why it appeals to you and how do you apply it on a daily basis? Yes, I would love to share. And my um, quote is, I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And of course, this is a Maya Angelou quote. Um, So I think the reason this really speaks to me is I feel the connection to people and relationships are so important in the work we do in this area. And it, um, it's, it's helpful for me to, to keep that in mind in my daily interactions, um, especially when, when we're very busy, that we don't, we don't lose this this um, human element. Wonderful. Um, You know, you can probably do a dozen podcasts, if not more, quoting Maya Angelou. So um, her stuff is just timeless. So that's a great quote. I love it. Absolutely. All right, perfect. Well, uh, Mary Ellen, I I would love to at least start the show with thanking you again. Uh, We were just talking before we started the recording here, and uh, you are fresh off of uh, a trip back from Germany and probably is loaded with work on top of work, and you're making time for our quality people and the show. So thank you very much. I appreciate you being on today. It, uh, it's my honor, and thank you for the invitation. No, definitely, definitely. But uh, we'd love to start. First question I have for you is if you uh, could please share your introduction into quality. Uh, we'd love to learn about maybe your current role, your professional background, and really just what led you into the career path that you're in um, within your current organization. Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, so, so my roots are in industrial engineering. So this is probably my first introduction to quality in the curriculum at Georgia Tech as an undergrad graduate industrial engineering major. And in industry, my first real exposure was in the automotive industry as a co-op student with General Motors. So it was um, fascinating. Um, I found the, you know, the 
the quality improvement aspects, um, control charts, um, you know, process improvements, absolutely um, interesting and, and fascinating, and felt somehow, though, a, you know, a strong desire to have a more purpose-driven career and made a conscious effort to seek out a, a role that I could apply these skills in, in healthcare. And that led me to my first, my first job in a hospital setting as a management engineering co-op student, um, actually here in, in Georgia at Northeast Georgia Health System in Gainesville, Georgia. So this was um, the first opportunity that I, I had to work directly with different departments um, on, on various improvement initiatives and um, also also led me to pursue you know, my graduate studies in this area. Um, the, the role that I'm currently in is with Phillips, and I am part of our monitoring and analytics business group. And my role is director of solution design and delivery. So I support our field resources around the globe in processes and capability development in, in these areas. So it's, it's been um, quite an evolution. I've, I've been with Philips now for 18 years um, nice. in a variety of different roles, um, including customer-facing project roles um, to, to help hospitals and healthcare organizations um, transform the, you know, the way of working in, in clinical departments and using our technology to, to improve outcomes and, and clinical processes. And in, then from, from there into to various leadership roles um, for the first 15 years was really focused in the, the United States and the North America market. And over the past four years have been working as part of a global team, which is, again, very enlightening to, to then be able to gain exposure to healthcare systems around the globe. I love everything you share there, and for a couple of reasons, um, you know your your I guess range of work that you've done within your current organization over at Phillips, I think is really impressive. So, um, first, I guess kind of spinoff question that I have for you is, mm -hmm. um, could you maybe touch on a few of the different roles, uh, and I guess maybe where my head is going, kind of the compare and contrast. So, as an industrial engineer healthcare organization mm -hmm. doing quality improvement and project management type of work. Um, what are, mm -hmm. I guess, some of the different ranges of the work that you've done? Um, but then if you could also maybe share, so even the, the role that you're in today, what is a day in the life of Mary Ellen? Yeah. Um, what does that look like for you? Okay, sure, sure. Um, I, I guess to answer the first question, as uh, you know, as a management engineer, the the um, there's a pretty big breadth of, of projects. Some of the ones that really stand out as as being most memorable, I, I had the opportunity to work on an emergency department 
um, it, relocation. Um, so it would involve new construction, you know, new technology, new uh, clinical processes, um, and equipment um, planning as well. And, you know, other projects um, were typically, you know, focused on, on departments. So I can recall doing one with our sterile processing department. Um, but really to, to understand the current state, under, understand where there may be opportunities for optimizing and, and making improvements. And, of course, the change management aspects um, of that are, are, quite, are quite important. So um, again, I think there's a, a wide variety of, of projects um, that management engineers can can contribute and add value to day to day. Um, trans, transitioning a little bit to my role with Phillips and a day in the life um, of Mary Ellen, the, um, the 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 trip you mentioned to Germany would be would be somewhat typical. Um, and in in that capacity, I was was with solution architects, customer project managers, clinical specialists, and technical consultants that are all involved in project implementations um, for our patient monitoring solutions. So a, a patient monitoring solution would involve the, the the actual network, the the medical devices. So patient monitors um, could be spot check monitors, the the servers and um, software that aggregate the patient monitoring data, and the the system that then distributes that data to the EMR, for instance, or other locations, um, and as well all of the, the services that, that go around that to help, you know, improve clinical workflows in, in the acute care setting. So, uh, you know, my, my role is really to train our resources and also um, set the strategy for the overall approach for a particular solution both in the area of how we design that solution with a healthcare organization and then how we then deliver deliver that um, including helping helping the healthcare organization you know achieve achieve their objectives and and key performance indicators around that so it's very much um, a role that involves teaching day-to-day, -day, um, a lot of influential leadership, as most of the, the market resources don't report in directly, you know, to me. So they're reporting into a market structure. So a lot of, um, you know, change management day-to-day -day, and, and certainly project management, program management activities. Um, with heavy international communication aspect to that. All right, wonderful. And uh, maybe one more quick add-on, but I, I think this one's going to be a much larger time.
kind of question, but um, mm-hmm. what, if any, differences are you seeing in the cultures of quality um, between maybe mm-hmm. your U.S. healthcare experience and the experience in some of these other countries? Um, you know, are they fighting the same fight, have the same focus, or mm-hmm. is there a difference in how they approach quality improvement? Mm-hmm. I, I do see I do see some 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 distinct differences and I I do believe culture plays a big role in that, um, as do the the various incentive systems in place for healthcare organizations. Um so certainly from 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 a, a trending perspective we see certain certain countries in Europe, um, and, and Sweden comes to mind as an example, where the the tenders that we're seeing coming coming from some of the larger healthcare organizations um, are are by far more progressive um, and pushing pushing the boundaries. In the area of innovation and, you know, outcomes-based solutions, you know, whereas there are other, um, you know, developing developing markets that that we we don't necessarily see healthcare organizations ready for those types of solutions. Um, that's just one one example in in the patient monitoring. Okay, wonderful. And well, thanks for uh, taking us uh, a little bit deeper into your world. Um, I think it's really mm-hmm. impressive when you're doing this on a much much larger scale. So, um, wanted to dig in deep there. But uh, Mary Ellen, what I'd love to do now is move to the next question, and I've been calling this one our dark place question because <laughs> I would love for you to take us back on a journey to a point in your career that you may consider to have been your worst as a healthcare quality leader, uh, but but really take us into the moment, help us understand the scenario, and, and definitely some of the decisions that you were trying to make to turn the scenario around. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a tough one. This is a tough one, but um, what comes to mind was a scenario. Um, it was it was a, a quality improvement project um, that that I was working on with a, a healthcare organization, and um, we we had a, an issue related to data integrity um, that that really damaged the credibility. I think of the entire uh, you know team in project improvement team in this in this case um and and just brought our project to a halt once this was uncovered um because there was a feeling that the data really couldn't be couldn't be trusted um and you know immediate resistance to, to kind of moving forward with um with the initiative so it was a it was a pretty substantial blow um and personally i i felt a lot of accountability for for not catching the issue earlier um and and you know so so being able to recover from this 
was was really um, extremely extremely difficult and um, you know a, a severe setback for us for us in the in the entire initiative. Um, so I, I mean, I guess the the lesson learned, you know, that I took away from this is to always always check the data. Um, be, to be absolutely sure before we've presented anything that we have full data integrity, that there's not, um, that that hasn't been compromised in any way before we, especially before we put data in front of clinical leadership. Um, and, and, and then again, getting back to the relationship aspect, how difficult it is to regain trust once that's been lost, um, it can it can be a very very severe setback. Well, and, and let me let me ask this, and maybe just dig in just a little bit deeper. But um, from mm -hmm. a from a process perspective, and I guess maybe from a scenario, the, the situation, because I imagine you all were were hands down trying to provide you know the best service to those customers, but. Um, was there anything within the situation that may have driven you all to, you know, to kind of plow through, you know, we have what we have and we're going to, you know, present the data and take our next steps? And was there anything from a process perspective that could have been or should have been in place that, you know, could have thrown up red flags or any any lessons learned in those two areas specifically? Yes, I think that's a, that's an excellent point from, from a process um standpoint there really wasn't that check in place um so i mean there was some human error involved but from a process perspective that could that could be prevented um we could we could definitely error proof um in the future by by adding in in a check um and and even um even looking at at you know potential ways of of automating and, and taking out some of the manual you know um, steps would would be would be another another potential way to to address that going forward yeah. okay wonderful and yeah I asked that because I just want to make sure that you know our, our listeners our quality folks listening in um, mm -hmm. as they do similar um, just asking those questions, you know, have we checked the data or do we have the right processes in place for checking data? Because uh, I know I've gotten in trouble a number of times in very similar scenarios, just, mm -hmm. you know, trusting the process as I've always known it. And then, you know, behind the scenes, one data field changes or, you know, just something small changes, a, a calculation in your Excel templates or anything, mm -hmm. and, and yeah. it's all downhill from there, so. Yes, yes. You don't want to be catching that in the in the middle of a presentation to clinical leadership for sure. <laughs> yes. All right. Awesome. No, thank you very much for um for sharing and kind of taking us down um a very bad memory lane there, but let's uh, let's yeah. turn it around and <laughs> add more value in the conversation here. But uh Mary Ellen, I would love next question, um, if you could give our quality people one tip, tool or a tactic that you found that works very well for building up those intimate connections within project teams and share with us uh, what it is and how do you apply it? Mm -hmm. 
well, well, this is this is really basic. I, I think um, when you're talking about working with project teams, you know, facilitating good communication between the team, um, you know, establishing a communication plan, a communication channel, but being very conscious about thanking people for their contribution and really providing recognition to team members. Um, that has worked very well for me in, in creating the connections um, with team members and, you know, ultimately, you know, leading to, to I think, higher performing teams um, when, when, we have, when we have those in place. Wonderful. I love it. And um, let me ask this, for, for doing that, are there any particular templates that you would use or could use, or do you just kind of facilitate that face-to-face -face with your teams? Um, from, from a communication planning perspective, um, I, I, there, there is just an Excel tool that I typically use um, that, that also – that also um, can can you know help in, in terms of planning you know the various channels, the frequency of communication. Um, again, tying back to to the various team members and and their and their needs, you know, depending on the involvement. So I, I do typically try and formalize it a little bit. Um, and, and you know, from a from a team collaboration standpoint, um, we we use Microsoft Teams quite frequently. Um, have found that to be very effective in, in supporting us in that. Now that's awesome, and I will say that I am a recent recent convert of Microsoft Teams, and mm -hmm. I'm loving it. Yes, the, it's, it's a it's a fantastic tool for for collaboration. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I've been sharing with my team that um, I, I call it the perfect mix, like if uh, Twitter and SharePoint had a baby, it would, it would have produced Microsoft Teams. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yes. All right. Yes. All right. Awesome. Uh, Mary Ellen, next question I have for you is, could you share with us one of the best aha moments that you've had as a quality professional? But, again, you know, take us through um, how that thought, that idea came to you, um, and, and definitely if you're able to turn it into a personal or a professional success. Yes. Um, you know, I, I, I would say one of, the, one of the aha moments that, that comes to mind um, is um, work that, that I was doing in the area of pediatric cardiology. Um, and, and the, the you know, the aha moment was to, to um, in, in, in my work with, with several different children's hospitals, um, there was a common theme that, that pediatric cardiologists were, were really struggling with not having, not having access to algorithms for echo heart measurements um, for 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 a subset of, of pediatric patients, and um, so I was actually involved in a, a project 
to to collect um, data and perform statistical data analysis and and derive algorithms that then were were used for calculation of z scores um, and a pretty cool experience that that this was um, actually embedded into our our product development for some of our cardiology informatics solutions. Um, but, but you know, I, I think the aha moment was really finding this common, common need and driving the collaboration across multiple um, children's hospitals to, to gain consensus on the approach, you know, the data that we're going to use, the actual analysis, you know, validating the algorithms, um, and then and then actually being able to operationalize it. So a pretty cool experience as an industrial engineer to get to be part of something like that, and um, did result in you know in, in having having a paper published, um, and and again, you know, feeding our research and development process with this but you know the coolest aspect of this for me was to get to you know years down the road to be sitting with um one of the the lead pediatric cardiologists and seeing him use this um this algorithm while the patient you know we had a video feed to the OR um where the you know he's he's analyzing the echo images using this this algorithm to make an intervention decision and recommendation real time with the with the surgeon on the other line of the phone so there is nothing cooler that i've experienced um from from a you know from from that perspective of actually knowing your your you know having an impact um you know, on, on, on a life, you know, so that, that's my, that's my aha moment. No, that's wonderful. And, you know, one of my takeaways from your aha moment as well, it sounds like it, it sounds like it was like the perfect storm of, you know, the clinical and the engineering, the technical quality minds just coming mm-hmm. together to work. So, um, you know, that, that in itself, I think is such a great culture story. I mean, it, that is diverse teams coming together to, like you said, impact lives. Yes, yes, absolutely. I think it's it's really one of those once in a lifetime opportunities um, that that um, would love I would love to experience more of. Yes. All right, wonderful. Well, uh, Mary Ellen, I'm I'm really looking forward to your thoughts around this next question. Um, considering, you know, the work that we uh, both are engaged in with SHS, and I'm sure mm-hmm. on your end probably so many others, but um, what are some of the changes that are taking place across the healthcare industry right now that you're personally excited about, and what role do you see quality and process improvement professionals playing to promote or support its longevity? Mm-hmm. Well, the, you know, the, the trends that that I'm seeing, and it's interesting um, that that it might be more pronounced in in some 
geographies more so than others, but certainly the the trend towards um, you know more IDNs and and hospital mergers and acquisitions. We see we see this playing out in, in other parts of the world. Um, so kind of the shift to more enterprise, um, you know, healthcare enterprise deployments and with the aging populations around the world, you know, the patients are are sicker, whereas the the healthcare organizations have fewer and fewer resources to 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 care for for those patients. Um, so the, the challenge of, of, you know, providing the best level of care with limited resources is certainly an, an, um, a, you know, a, a trend that can, you know, that we can help um, certainly by, you know, increasing, increasing productivity, increasing, you know, increasing the, the quality of, of health care. Um, so we can can fully leverage the the limited resources that that healthcare organizations have. Wonderful. And, and then I guess my next question to follow up on that is, how can the healthcare industry become a more attractive place to pull in more ambitious and talented quality professionals to either start their careers um, or, or continue to grow their careers without looking other places? Mm-hmm. I, I think this is an excellent an excellent question um, because it can be it can be quite intimidating. I think to enter the, the healthcare industry, we tend to have um, a lot of a lot of acronyms. There's you know a whole language around healthcare that um, you know c- it can be uncomfortable if you're if you're coming from outside of the industry. I really, I really see see um, the openness factor um, as being really important. We we really need to actively recruit talents and and pull them in, um, and also also be um, open to giving students and new graduates opportunities. This is an area that that I feel strongly about and. Um, Certainly, one one that I've supported in in my career, you know, by offering opportunities for college interns um, and new college graduates to to be a mentor to um, help sell them on on the healthcare industry as the place to be, and really, I think, emphasizing the purpose driven nature of the work we do. Um, is is um, is one way one way to pull those people in. Wonderful, I, I love and I appreciate that idea for the interns, um, you know, and other kind of ex- um, other experiences offered. Um, I, mm-hmm. I was in a conversation not too long ago about even having. Um, there's a group that was starting a quality fellowship, just very similar to how healthcare has administrative fellowships. Um, they mm-hmm. were starting one around their quality department, which I thought was exceptional. Um, let me let me ask you this. So hopefully we will get, you know, some of the younger careerists plugging in with this, the early careerists. Mm-hmm. Um, 
what are some ways that an early careerist or even a new grad can go about, uh, you know, job searching for interns, internships or other roles that, you know, might not be the the absolute, you know, full-time position, but any any thoughts or just tips for how they can, you know, start to find these positions when they're coming out? Mm-hmm. I, I think this can be quite quite a challenge. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, this is where having having a network of people, you know, in the healthcare industry, in working working in professional roles can can really help. I think it can be a, a little bit finding a needle in a haystack to find the right internship opportunity. Um, I recently at um, the the SHS conference uh, a couple months back, I had the opportunity to meet quite a few students from from different colleges, and you know having the opportunity to introduce them to to my network. Um, in particular, if there was an interest in a certain geography or or a certain area of the healthcare industry. I think this is really where building your external network can be invaluable to finding the right to right to finding the right entry um or you know fit for you. Wonderful. No, I, I again thank you for kind of going with that additional question there. I think that's great advice and uh, again if the younger folks, um, and actually that still that advice even still applies to careers who are already in it because I think uh, a lot of times some of our folks can get in and get comfortable and we don't think about those external networks as much. Um, but I think your your feedback is spot on both ways, though. Mm-hmm. All right, so Mary Ellen, you're doing great, but uh, now we're going to move into a part of the show we call the two-minute drill, and it's very much our rapid fire Q&A session. So are you ready to roll? I'm ready. All right. Awesome. Well, can you please tell our quality people something about your current role that inspires you to do your best day in and day out as a quality professional? Yes. So at Phillips, it's really our, our mission to make the world healthier and more sustainable and in this this goal of improving the lives of 3 billion people a year by 2025, I find that so incredibly inspiring. Um, and and that is that is one of the reasons I I show up for work each day. Yes. All right, wonderful. That's that's very very impressive uh, goal that you guys have there. Um, next question is, what is the best piece of career advice that you've ever received? Um, wow, that's that's a great question. I, I would I would say to be authentic, um, and and that I am enough. Um, I, I think especially as as a younger, you know, as a younger engineer, you know, having the confidence and and having um, the courage to 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 really speak up to. Um, to, to fully contribute was an area that I struggled early in my career, and 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 certainly um, that is is great advice that that I have used over the years. All right, excellent. And um, as I move into the next question for you, Mary Ellen, um, 
in our previous show, we actually had Amanda Mewborn on the episode. And uh, mm-hmm. when I asked her this next question, um, she gave you a shout-out as one of her previous mentors, um, you and uh, David Cowan over at Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. But would love for you to share um, if you've had an, uh, a mentor that has made an impact on your career, and please feel free to give them a shout-out as well. I am so blessed to have had numerous amazing mentors. Um, both of the names you just mentioned are included in that. David Cowan um, I worked with as a um, graduate student at, at Georgia Tech. Um, and Amanda, over many years um, in, in professional organizations um, and, and as students at Georgia Tech, another name that immediately comes to mind is Dean Afanasiades, um, who I have had the pleasure of, of working with um, at Phillips for most of the last 18 years. He was actually my hiring manager um, just not only an amazing, in, you know, industrial engineer and, you know, but, but someone who um, always will take the time to support um, and just, you know, look, at, look out for you and, and, and really um, be there when needed. So he's, he's been a, an incredible influence on my career. All right. Wonderful. And those are, um, you know, it's uh, funny enough, I, I think I'm just probably going down the SHS roster of leaders, but uh, <laughs> yes. Dean is absolutely on my list of folks to reach out to as well as David. So um, thank yes, you for, excellent. yeah, thank you for sharing that. And, and again, the, the rationale, the, you know, the thought process behind that question is really just to highlight that, um, for so many of the folks that I've had the opportunity to pull onto the show so far, I think all, everyone, for the most part, has shared a mentor or a personal advisor, mm-hmm. just someone that they can lean on. And again, I I think that's one of those um, you know support structures that I don't know if everyone has either thought through or has felt comfortable pursuing in their own career. So I, I really just hope that question uh, motivates folks to find a mentor or a person mm-hmm. that they can, you know, just have those really personal conversations with. So so thank you again for that. And next question, um, Mary Ellen, if you could share a personal habit that contributes to your success when leading quality initiatives. So I'm I'm going to go back to um, the, the change management um, topic. I, I just find this so important to to really consciously do with stakeholder analysis um, and you know active change management um, communication planning. This um, would be would be the the one habit that I would say has the biggest outcome on on success. Excellent. Sorry. <laughs> My uh, mute button got stuck there for a second. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, wonderful. Thank you. I love that um, that offer there. And next question is, could you please share your number one Internet resource or mobile app- mobile phone application or mobile personal device application that helps you to be the most productive? 
So I'm really leaning. I know we already mentioned Teams, but I'm really leaning towards Microsoft Teams um, now, even even um, as you know a productivity tool. I, I find more so this is where I'm going to to kind of organize my actions and daily work, um, and again have have that that team collaboration in a very productive, I think, productive environment. So I, I would I would cite that. All right. It's one worthy of being cited. That's awesome. Um, would love for you to share with our quality people one professional association and one professional conference that you think would be value-added. So you can probably guess what um, – what a, what professional um, organization that I'm going to mention that it is it is Society for Health Systems, um, and I, I think this is just such a unique um, organization with you know such a diverse group of of people with a with really a shared purpose of of improving healthcare. So it. it you know, in the annual conference, the Healthcare Systems Process Improvement Conference put on by SHS, um, I, I personally have attended most years, you know, over the past 18 years or so, and I find it to be extremely valuable um, both for the, you know, the content and the learning, but also maintaining my external network and, and the relationships um, with, with Society for Health Systems members. Yeah, no, I, I think I really would have been surprised and disappointed had you said anything <laughs> other. <laughs> sure, sure. Awesome. Uh, next question I have for you, Mary Ellen, is, could you please recommend one book that our listeners would benefit from, but also share why? So the yeah, the book that I would recommend it's um, it's called the People Skills Handbook, and it it's it's really tips on improving emotional intelligence. Um, so kind of staying on this theme that it's really all about the people and relationships. Um, I think it's. It's been very, very valuable for me. Um, lots of, lots of relevant content, and I, I would highly recommend it. All right, perfect. And uh, I am happy to say that you've made it through the gauntlet of the questions, but the hard one is coming up next for you. So just giving you a heads up again. But, okay. Uh, Mary Ellen, the, the next question, the last question that I have for you is a personal favorite because I like to get you to think simultaneously to reflect on your past and your future. But let's say that you're able to send one text message to yourself 10 years into the future, or excuse me, 10 years into the past, and one text message to yourself 10 years into the future. Take a second and think about it, but what would you communicate in each one of those messages? Wow, that's a tough one. Okay, so so thinking back, um, so if I was to send a text message to myself ten years ago, um, it would be something to the effect of "Keep doing what you're doing, and the future is, is brighter than you could ever imagine." That's what I would send. Um, Love it. 
to to the one the text message I would send to myself ten years in the future. This is harder for me for some reason, but um, it would probably be something to the effect of of a, you know a bit of a reflection on 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 what I had accomplished up to this point. And, um, you know, maybe just some words of encouragement um, to, to, to continue um, saving, you know, contributing to saving and improving lives in this, in this industry. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. I, I love the, um, I love both messages and really just the, the simplicity. It's very encouraging. So mm-hmm. thank you for knocking that very difficult question out of the park. And Mary Ellen, you've made it through today's show. Um, thank you just so much again for everything you shared. I, I think uh, very value-added uh, information you shared today. But um, before I let you go, I would love for you to um, leave our quality people with a parting piece of advice, maybe share the best way that they can follow or connect with you through social media, and then we'll officially sign off. Yes. First off, thank you so much. This is such, I think, an important forum um, and very excited to be part of it. Um, my advice for for all the listeners out there would be to remember it, it is all about the people and relationships. And please feel free to connect with me um, on LinkedIn or Twitter. Mary Ellen Skeens is, is my handle and you I'm probably the only Mary Ellen schemes on LinkedIn so I look forward to connecting with you thank you all right wonderful thank you again Mary Ellen and to all of our quality people thank you for making us a part of your day today thank you for listening to the healthcare quality cast brought to you by the quality coaching company If you love the Healthcare Quality Cast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review. Until next time.